Bobby and I have become big fans of NTT Disruption's great work to empower smart tech solutions that will lead to big changes for good. That is why Good Is A New Cool is excited to share we have joined forces with NTT Disruption to bring you the most inspiring purpose-led ideas and innovations from around the world. From our GoodCon Global Festivals of Good to partnering on this podcast, together we are helping business leaders across the globe to hashtag disrupt for good. Learn more about how to disrupt for good at goodisanewcool.com. So Bobby, how important is finding the right collaboration and community when it comes to achieving or defining purpose-driven goals? You know, we one of the, our first you know, principles when you and I were were writing the first book, you know, that really resonated with us. I think it's just so much about how we live our lives is this idea of finding your allies. And, and I've been really thinking about that, you know, over the past year, you know, with so much around social justice, uh, racial equality, and how much of the language has been around this idea of being an ally. And this word that, that really resonated with me throughout, I think, for this past years is really about this idea of solidarity mm. and what it means to not just support someone, but to stand with someone. Yeah, you know, it's that African proverb, right? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together, right? And I think that's what we've been collectively seeing as we look at all of our audience out there, people like you listening who want to do good in the world. There is this wonderful moment when you realize you're not alone when you realize there are hundreds of thousands of millions of people like you out there who want to do purpose-driven work. Um, and we take great pleasure and pride in creating a space for that community as well to come together. That's the only way we're going to solve these massively complex interconnected problems is together. Welcome back to Good is a New Cool, the field recordings. We're so glad you could join us for the next episode. My name is Aftal Aziz. And what's up? I'm Bobby Jones. We're two friends who have dedicated our lives and careers to helping others find ways to use their talents and passions to create a better world. Good is a New Cool connects and serves a global community of world-changing entrepreneurs, creators, and innovators using business and culture as forces for good. We're also the co-founders of Conspiracy of Love, a global purpose consultancy helping brands like Adidas, Red Bull, Microsoft, and Oreo help create social impact. In this podcast, we take you through the stories and people who inspired our new book, The Principles of Purpose. In the book, we outline nine principles designed to help business leaders attract the new generation of socially aware consumers, as well as the most talented purpose-driven employees. Throughout this series, you'll join us behind the scenes on a journey through the interviews and events surrounding the book, all in the hopes of inspiring you to harness the power of purpose for yourself. Over the years, one thing we've learned is community is king. When it comes to not only realizing our purpose, but also actualizing the goals within it. When a cause has a community surrounding it, it's much more likely to succeed and the people involved are much more motivated to ensure it does. So today's episode is centered around the topic of collaboration and community. And Bobby, it reminds me of when we were doing GoodCon Australia in Sydney and Melbourne back in 2019 with the wonderful Usual Suspects team, you know, and we had some incredible speakers and people sharing their journey and really kind of being vulnerable and open and honest. And I'll never forget, you know, the week after when we were kind of going through all the feedback from people who'd come 
there was one phrase that stopped us in our tracks. And it very simply said, you know, I, I love coming to the Good as a New Cool Festival. I found my tribe. Unexpectedly, I found myself. And both of us went, wow, that is the kind of reaction that we want to have from people. You know, it's, it's, this, it's this dual kind of benefit of saying, yeah, I, I not only found that there were lots of other people like me interested in this idea uh, of, of doing well and doing good, but I found a part of myself that I had missed for a while coming to the surface as well. Yeah. I mean, I love that story for two reasons. One is because of that moment. But even if we go back to that first good con out in LA, I think it was in March of 2019. And these two lovely ladies, brilliant, lovely ladies from Australia flew in to LA to join us. Uh, Shani and Sharice, two amazing women uh, and founders of Usual Suspects. They came to the LA GoodCon and they were like, we need to bring this to our community in Australia. That's right. Like we got to do that. And I remember we were like, okay, well maybe what next year? It was like, no, <laughs> like in four or five months, we need to be in Australia, bringing this energy, bringing this vibe, bringing this love. And to have them be part of our community and our allies and our collaborators and to have that event have that impact on someone on the other side of the world is just a testament to the power of collaboration and community. Mm. Because if it wasn't for Shani and Sharice feeling the energy of our community in LA, the community in Sydney and Melbourne would never have had it. And that woman would have never had that transformational experience. So you just right. never know how, you just never know the ripple effect that community can have, man. It really is a global village. We've all heard the phrase teamwork makes the dream work. But for today's guest, Wendy Savage, this has been an essential part of our career. Wendy is the Director of Social Responsibility, Traceability, and Animal Welfare at Patagonia. And if the title didn't say enough, Wendy has been a big part in creating social and environmental impact at this incredible brand, celebrated as one of the most socially conscious and purpose-driven out there. Uh, all right, so I uh, was born in Lima, Peru, uh, born and raised. I moved to the U.S. Uh, for school. So, no, Bobby, one of the things about Wendy, which she doesn't talk about in the interview, but which I got to know through, through getting to know Wendy, is her, her childhood growing up in Peru. Environmental and social issues have been an integral part of how she grew up. Um, her, her mom was a social worker, and she traveled to a lot of remote villages in the Peruvian jungle and the Andes, you know, where as part of her Catholic mission, her mom taught Native communities, gave them supplies and first aid, and would literally strap Wendy uh, onto her uh, waist on the back of a motorcycle as they went from town to town. And I think this gives you an insight into Wendy's upbringing and how it gave her a deep moral compass at the very beginning of her life. It shows you that the seeds that you plant in childhood um, can come flowering into and blossoming into incredible things in adulthood. And her journey in corporate social responsibility started nearly 20 years ago. Uh, I worked in consulting for many years uh, at the time when this whole movement was new to brands and brands were just 
trying to figure out what is the code of conduct? How do I hold my supply chain responsible for the issues that happen with workers and environment? And so um, it was very, very different. And I got to travel a lot and see a lot of uh, the reality of uh, the business impacts and consumers' impacts on humans and workers and the environment. So it was more of a... Um, uh, of a philosophy of policing suppliers more than partnering with them back in the day. And as a consultant, I didn't have the power to make change, right? It was uh, find the issues, present a strategy, but we would never know if brands actually implement the change. So I knew I wanted to be part of the solution and that led me to Patagonia. From their inception in 1973 to now, Patagonia strives to be a brand that is in the business of doing good, moving from product-focused impact to all-around activism on a global scale. Their company mission says it best. Patagonia is in business to save our home planet. One of the things that I really admire uh, here at Patagonia is that through the 40, over 40 years, they've stayed true to the philosophy and the belief of protecting our environment. I mean, we're in business to save our home planet. Uh, and that was from the beginning. You know, Yvonne Chouinard uh, wrote the manifesto for clean climbing. Back then, he reinvented uh, tools, made better tools to protect our environment when practicing um, climbing. And so that theme has lived throughout everything we do, making a good product, making sure that we don't cause harm, um, and protecting uh, the places that we love and the people. Now, what really makes the brand so special are the people that work there. And speaking from first-hand experience, there's clearly a Patagonia spirit. The building is filled with warm-hearted and energetic people, and Wendy being no exception. You know, there's, there's such a high level of trust in all of us here. The level of commitment from every single person at Patagonia is incredible. You're continuously challenged to do better every day, so. So Bobby, I'll never forget the day I drove up to Ventura to visit Patagonia's headquarters. You know, for uh, a social impact geek like me, this is like going to Mecca. And when you walk in, it is everything you imagine Patagonia's headquarters to be. There is this wonderful energy and spirit. It's super chill. It's really quirky. There's a surf report when you walk in on a chalkboard because literally the beach is, you know, a five minute bike ride away. They have uh, a room called the boardroom and it's called that not because it's a conference room, but because it's filled with surfboards, <laughs> which is a really nice touch. And there's solar panels in the car park. Everything is powered by green energy. There is free childcare on site. And literally next to the reception, you can just see and hear children laughing and playing, you know, um, safe in the knowledge that the parents are, are close by. It is the kind of place where this, this moment sums it up for me, right? I was sitting in the reception area waiting to meet Wendy and this guy walked in off the street and he walked up to the receptionist and said, hey, are there any jobs here? And uh, the receptionist is very kind and said, listen, this is what you do. This is who you contact. And, and the guy left. And I turned to the receptionist and said, how many times does that happen? He said, about two or three times a week, somebody just literally walks in and says, I'd like to work here. And that blew my mind. You know, that it's, it's a brand that has been a beacon for so long uh, and has earned such respect that people spontaneously just walk into the offices going, I'd like to work here as well. 
I love that. Is this a, such a, a great brand and community? What is even more inspiring about Patagonia is just how much good is woven into the fiber of their mission. And what was once exclusively an environmental mission has branched out to become a socially conscious one too. So social responsibility is from the beginning, uh, it's been very important at Patagonia. Uh, we can't be a brand without the hands behind uh, our products. And so early, earlier, even before I joined, uh, we were founding members of the Fair Labor Association. So the cornerstone of our programs um, come from the Fair Labor Association. So working with our suppliers to implement those high level standards and, and also educate, educating suppliers. It's very important for them to understand the reasons why we as a brand find things important, not just going as a brand and saying, you have to do it because we want you to do it, right? There's no changing hearts and minds by just imposing. It's very important to educate for us and partner. I think what's really interesting is how a company like Patagonia found the wisdom in thinking about people as allies, you know, and thinking about these suppliers and manufacturers as allies in their purpose and going to them and saying, hey, what do you think? How do you think we can make this better? How do you think we can treat the people who make these products in a better way and engaging them and engaging their moral imaginations in kind of making a better product, but also making it in a better way as well. Collaboration, partnership, and teamwork are all cornerstones for how Patagonia goes about achieving their purpose-driven goals. And for Wendy, these goals rely on finding the right alliances. You know, we have a very strict uh, way of looking at suppliers and selecting suppliers that really share our philosophy for continuous improvement. Um, and where, when we select suppliers, we have uh, this thing that is called a fourfold approach, where business has a say, quality has a say, but there's also uh, equally uh, an equal veto power for social responsibility and environmental responsibility. So if the business needs a new factory, for instance, um, we have this group of people that we evaluate the factories, uh, we look at where they are according to our standards, and they could be the best quality that it could be, the best for the business. But if they don't meet our environmental requirements or our social responsibility requirements, then we go back to the board and say, you know, we can't have this supplier. So that is very powerful for us to ensure that, you know, not only the environment is taken care of, but human rights as well. So, you know, everybody knows Patagonia is this incredibly environmentally conscious company, right? From their famous don't buy this jacket ad, uh, which encouraged consumers to shop less, to the fact that they have worn wear, which allows you to get Patagonia clothes repaired for free, um, to the material sciences that they put into their clothing. But what's fascinating about Wendy's role is that her focus is not just on the uh, materials and things like that. It's about the workers. It's about the people who actually make the products uh, and how much Patagonia cares for them. Um, and that's where it was fascinating hearing her say this beautiful thing, we are nothing without the hands that make our products. What Patagonia really understands is that at the end of the day, this is really about human connectivity. Um, in human connectivity, not only to each other, but to the planet. And our ability to really build a more sustainable model that serves people as well as the planet has to honor that humanity. Fair trade is easily recognizable and understandable, especially when it comes to things like food. But what's fascinating is how Patagonia brings fair trade principles to clothing and its manufacturing. 
in 2014, we implemented uh, fair trade. Uh, and that's one of my, uh, my proudest moments in my career, I would say. It's uh, taking this program where a brand actually commits funds that go directly to the workers to help them improve their, their lives. And uh, I remember before joining Patagonia in 2009, reading the pilot program of the fair trade program and thinking this is going to revolutionize if brands can do it. And I remember back then, I didn't believe that there were brands that wanted to do uh, fair trade uh, until then I came to Patagonia and we made it happen. But as you'll see, for Patagonia, the mission and teamwork didn't stop there. And the next step was tackling the industry as a whole. And that's the beauty of this program. Uh, Fair Trade USA created a program specific for uh, factories where it doesn't matter what the product is, uh, the brands get to pay a premium on each of their, an FOB premium on the garments that are made at that factory. And that premium goes directly into workers' account. And the beauty of it is that the workers, uh, as a committee, decide what they want to spend that money on. Um, so there could be 2,000 workers, there's an election, there's a committee, and they decide whether they want to use it for scholarships for their kids, they want to use it for, uh, you know, a, a daycare or, uh, or just anything that they need. They, some of them have uh, bought computers and stoves. I mean, and you think about it, those are things that for us, we take for granted. Um, but for workers in the supply chain, those are things that they would have to save many years for. And so when they have collective uh, money together, that they can, they can make that happen. Uh, and that's money that the factory doesn't control, Patagonia doesn't control. It's giving them the power, educating them to control those funds. So it is, it's incredible. And now they have been able to achieve fair trade in over 17 countries. And on top of that, 65% of their styles are 100% fair trade. And we started with one, you know, and when we talk, you'll hear the word journey a lot in Patagonia because it's always a journey and we always want to take a first step. So when we started, we started with one factory uh, and very few styles. And we said, you know, we can make more of an impact, let's do it. Uh, and at the same time, we've been talking to more brands. There are more brands working at those factories where we are making fair trade products. So the impact can be more, can be higher for the workers if more brands join us. Um, and so we have seen some brands uh, joining the fair trade movement. It's really, really exciting. Uh, and I'm hoping that uh, this continues to grow. So, you know, Bobby, we often talk about the fashion industry as kind of like one of those categories which really needs to take a long, hard look at itself. You know, it's grown exponentially since the 1980s when brands began manufacturing clothes really cheaply. There's like 100 billion garments churned out every year, double the amount in 2000. And many people only wear an item seven times before getting rid of it. And this is really kind of a, a, a warning sign for human civilization to think about this is a, a problem that has incredible implications for climate change, uh, but also for the human side of, of who makes these clothes. And one of the things that really makes me happy is that there are people like Wendy in companies like Patagonia who are thinking about this and uh, who are finding incredibly innovative new ways to try and tackle these problems. For Patagonia, it was clear that in order to make sure that everyone was able to be fully involved, the industry needed to reach things like the living wage. 
But this in itself takes a community of like-minded people to achieve. We call fair trade our first step because it's uh, sort of the quickest way for us as a brand to have an impact, right? We put our money where our mouth is and we pay the premium. But in order to achieve living wages, which is a more sustainable way for the, for the workers to, to have a better life, there needs to be more players than just the brand paying into a, a bucket, uh, into a pot of money. Uh, suppliers have to agree to do that. Governments have to get in the conversation and consumers. Um, consumers are a big piece of the puzzle because they need to start, um, first of all, not you know, supporting disposable goods right, that are cheaply made and that at any point of the supply chain may be sacrificing uh, human rights or environmental impacts. Uh, so consumers have a big role. Suppliers have a big role as well because even if brands pay a proper or a fair amount for their goods, if the supplier doesn't channel some of those earnings to the workers, it's not going to it's not going to end up on living wages. Um, and then governments at the same time. I mean, we're having issues here uh, to implementing living wages in the United States. I mean, we know our minimum wages are very very low, and people cannot survive on minimum wages. So it's a it's a bigger conversation, but at the, in the Patagonia end, we're trying to address that. Uh, we're working with the Fair Labor Association on that. We're working with MIT uh, and coming up with uh, strategies on how we can make it work in our supply chain. And once we have a model, um, we can share that with the rest of the industry. One of the principles that we talk about uh, in the book is purpose must start inside out. Um, and that idea that purpose must be built from the inside, from the leaders, from the founders, from the people who shaped the company, and then it can be expressed out into the world. And I think Patagonia really embodies that from its founder to its founding story. It's always had a clear intention of making a positive impact in the world, making a positive impact on the planet and creating products that are not only consistent with those values, but to specifically try to create relationships with buyers who also share those values. And when you start with that sense of purpose at the beginning, it's much easier to uh, integrate into the DNA of the brand from how the products are made to how they're housed, to how they're sold, and how those products lived out in the world and potentially can be repurposed and then have another life um, for a new generation of consumers as well. Yeah, you can't underestimate how powerful it has been to see Patagonia and the incredible growth under the leadership of Rose Macario, who was the CEO at the time I interviewed Wendy there. You know, it has grown into a billion dollar plus company. And not only that, it's become a cultural juggernaut as well. If you think about the, uh, you know, quote unquote scandal when Patagonia said, hey, we are no longer selling our products to hedge fund bros <laughs> and like you know we're saying we're gonna we're gonna not sell our clothes to companies that we think are bad for the planet that created headline news when patagonia said we're gonna sue donald trump uh for taking away you know federal lands and returning them to state control where they're much more likely to be mined and used for oil drilling that made headline news and caused massive positive sentiment to the brand and, and massive sales um, Patagonia understands its role as an activist brand. It's one of the few who can do it well. It's been an activist for a very long time. And 
That's why it's no secret that it attracts activists like Wendy. Wendy's an activist at heart. It's just that her activism gets to manifest itself through policy and strategy and business. Um, and and in, in doing so, there's a way of not only lifting up what Patagonia does, but creating a shining beacon for what the rest of the apparel industry can get involved in. And honestly, what the rest of business can aspire to as well. So where were we? Ethical manufacturing has been addressed. The workers have been served. Now into the bigger picture. And for Patagonia, that's tackling environmental issues like regenerative farming. So regenerative organic agriculture, we are in a quest to reverse uh, climate change and try to uh, work with farmers to implement better farming practices. Practices that are not only organic, so controlling the chemicals, all of that is great, but we want now to uh, work with farmers so that the regenerative way of farming, how we used to do it in the past, where we can capture carbon back in the soil, that that can be implemented again. With industrial farming, all of those great practices from the past have been lost. And so we're working with our uh, organic cotton farmers. Um, and it's going to take some time because now we're not only looking at the soil and capturing carbon and improving the practices there, we're also looking at how the farmers are being treated. Is there a fair price for the cotton? Because that's another very important part of the success of this. And then if there are animals at the farm, how are the animals treated? So it's a, it's a trifecta um, that is going to help improve uh, farm conditions. Patagonia alone cannot do it. And on all of our programs, we, we can't do it alone. We need more brands to participate in this, more farmers to be interested. And through the Regenerative Organization Alliance that manages this uh, certification program, uh, we are seeing a lot of interest. And it will be a long journey, but, uh, but I think together we can make more of an impact. So, you know, this is what I love about Patagonia. It's it's never enough. There is no finish line. There's always something that they can turn their attention to. Not only can you get wonderful organic uh, products, but you can also do so in a way that helps with the climate crisis. And again, it goes back to the mission of Patagonia. If its sole mission as a company is to solve the climate crisis, then it needs to look at every single aspect of how it makes its clothes all the way down to the techniques used and finding ways to support the farmers who are trying out these new regenerative agricultural techniques as well. But they realize they cannot do it alone. Patagonia needs those other brands and other uh, collaborators across the industry. It's an essential part of the whole journey. We also work with several brands um, who call us and say, how do I do responsible purchasing practices program? Here you go. Here's, our, here's how we're working with the FLA on this um, and sharing our tools. Because when you think about it in sustainability or social responsibility, we're not competing. We're all working together towards the same goal. And we know that working alone and creating islands of goodness is not, it's not the end goal for us. We, can't make an impact. So, so that's the message behind us, um, making stuff open source. But with all these different goals from environmental to social, how do all these factors fit together? If we want people in the places where climate change is affecting most 
to uh, start uh, worrying about the environment, we have to make sure that they're taken care of financially first, right? Um, and so it's it's very, very important to, to, to make sure that we address all buckets at the same time, not only the environment, but also the financial and the social aspect of it all. And in the Amazon, you know, how many uh, acres of lands are being uh, devastated because of uh, the increase in meat consumption, for instance. So um, all of the pieces need to be linked together. Another value of Patagonia, which I really admire, um, is their humbleness. And part of that humbleness is the recognition that they don't present themselves or try to be someone who's going to single-handedly save the planet or single-handedly save the world. Um, they realize that they can't do it alone, You know that they need those other allies. And they want to collaborate. They actually want to bring other brands together to be part of the solution. They want to work with them. They want to share what they've learned. They want other brands to learn um, how to do the things that that they've done successfully. And I'm sure they're, they're probably one of the first to be open to learning from others. And I think that mentality is, is so needed right now to tackle our biggest problems. We just cannot afford to have uh, ego drive the behavior of of the way that we approach solving problems. Um, and I think Pentagon is a great example of putting ego aside uh, for the greater good and asking for help and being willing to help others. It's testament to Patagonia's dedication to this open source partnership that now there are 49 members of the Sustainable Apparel Coalition, which represent nearly a third of all clothing and footwear sold on the planet. It's unprecedented to think about an entire category coming together to figure out how to collaborate, to create a measuring stick of where they are and to create a roadmap of where they need to get to. You know? And it, it is this kind of thinking where people realize that while they may be competitors in the commercial sense, they're all collaborators in making a more sustainable world. And especially as you think about the immense contribution that the fashion industry makes to climate change, it's encouraging to see this kind of collaboration across different companies to really find better ways of making their materials, making their clothes, and better ways of treating the people who make their clothes, you know, have a higher standard of living and a, a better opportunity and dignity for all. I think Wendy really understands that our, our, our biggest issues, uh, environmental, social, economic, they're all interrelated. Um, and you cannot solve one without addressing the other. You, you can't tackle our environmental issues without looking at the, the, the social and economic issues that those communities are facing. And it's, it's not till we look at all of these, these issues as being interrelated that we can begin to, to, to start to, to create solutions that help elevate the quality of life and planet across the board. And, and I think that that, that holistic view that, that Wendy um, brings to this work has really shown me how interconnected all of these different things are. The interrelationship between all of these, these things and the fundamental faith in people that if they just know better, they, they will do better because we're just wired to be compassionate. The more you learn about your suppliers, the more you learn about the issues and how you can create impact, the better you, the more work that you will have, you know? So 
with animal welfare, you know, we, we learn about our issues through an NGO, actually. And so uh, I wanted to mention the importance of listening to NGOs and working with NGOs and consumers as well. Consumers bring uh, questions and the power of consumers asking brands to respond for the products that uh, they sell. When I started here at Patagonia, we started looking at um, the down in our supply chain. We knew we had issues to remediate, and so we had to create standards. There were no standards for no force feeding, no life plucking, and good environment for the animals. We had to start from scratch and create a standard, and then educate all of our supply chains. So after a few years of work, we were able to ensure to our customers that the down in our products came from geese that were not mistreated, that were protected through animal rights. So um, it's it's a long journey, but we're doing that for wool. So we're doing that with a responsible wool standard, for down with a traceable down standard. And it takes a lot of work because you have to map every single level of the supply chain and you have to change change hearts and minds at every single level of the supply chain because animal welfare is not a concept that is shared everywhere, right? Some, in some cultures you have to educate, why, why do you care? Because if we just go and impose, more than likely it'll take like a band-aid approach. What's the cheapest way to do this? I don't understand it, but the client wants it, so let's do that. But we want sustainable remediation. And so that takes time and, and changing hearts and minds. Speaking to the owners of the companies that we work with and you know, for Down, for instance, we had the CEOs of the company walking to those farms and seeing what we were seeing and understanding why we wanted a better life for those geese. And that just speaks to how Patagonia looks at suppliers in a partnership way. We are not more important than our suppliers. In fact, we're equal. And that's the approach that we have, an education approach, a compassionate approach. Uh, making sure that we understand where they're coming from and then seeing how we can help them get to where we want to go together. The changing hearts and minds was one step in reaching their goals, but another important factor was transparency. For instance, we are getting a supplier, a new supplier, and their first thought is like, we can't tell you where our stuff comes from. That's a red flag for us. We will not work with a supplier that is not transparent. Um, and so that's the message that, you know, through our fourfold process that I mentioned earlier, um, we try to align with suppliers that are willing to be transparent, that are willing to work with us through the problems that they have, and then eventually get to a solution. So it's a lot of work, and uh, but it's the right thing to do. So If you think about Patagonia's customers, right, who are some of the most, um, how can I put it, people who are obsessed with living an ethical and sustainable life. It's no surprise that many of them are vegans, right? And many of them um, have a point of view about whether materials should be used uh, that come from animals as well. And I think what's uh, really wise about Patagonia's approach is to go, look, there are some products which require it, but if they do require it, we're going to make sure that these animals are taken care of in the most wonderful way, allowing them to live uh, a healthy and happy life. Um, and I think that's where just taking CEOs to see the reality of what it looks like is just, just such a simple uh, move. It kind of reminds me of Sam Latif in the first episode, uh, creating spaces for people inside Procter & Gamble to experience what it's like to be disabled. Um, it triggers empathy. And I think that's one of the crucial things 
uh, about changing hearts and minds. Uh, it's feeling with someone, and in this case, feeling with the animals, that allows uh, Patagonia to take a, a much more enlightened approach. Yeah, you know, and, and I think it goes back to the story that you know as you talked about in terms of Wendy's childhood. Wendy spent her childhood strapped to her mom's back on a motorcycle going to actual homes and communities that needed help. Um, you know, she didn't grow up in this environment where she was looking at problems through spreadsheets or through impact reports or through computer screens. She was actually going to the places that were being impacted by injustices, seeing the people firsthand, seeing the experiences, the pain points and all of those things firsthand. And I think for for Wendy, that was such an important experience. And in a lot of ways, what she's doing, even with this animal welfare initiative, is kind of giving these CEOs that same experience. You know, again, is, is this another example of how her journey has helped create and inform the journeys of other people in terms of opening their eyes and hearts for change as well? So it's clear to see that the future of Patagonia is collaborative, part of an evolving community one that pushes forward for a better future we can all be proud of. I think through the years, uh, I, li- I see that the younger generations are more interested in, in, uh, in moving the needle faster. Uh, when I started, nobody talked about these issues, even brands, you know, very few. Uh, the more and more newer generations are coming, uh, media is helping a lot with that because issues are much more easy, tangible uh, for people to see uh, and seeing brands. I mean, we're talking, we're talking earlier about the business round table and, and finally acknowledging the importance of suppliers and communities uh, as, as stakeholders, as it should have always been. That gives me hope. Uh, the growth of the B Corp movement gives me hope. We are living in a better place than than before, despite all the amount of work that we have to do. I think we're making progress. So, Bobby, you know, there are many, many uh, lessons that we've gotten from Wendy and Patagonia. I'll tell you one thing which has made me really kind of conscious of is how many clothes I buy. Um, I think the average American consumer buys 64 items of clothing a year now. Um, when they used to only buy 10, maybe 20 years ago or, you know, and that that's really led me to start my own clothing challenge, which is what would happen if I only bought 10 items of clothing a year? Um, and I've started it and I, I'm pleased to say it's going well. And it's really made me think carefully about what I buy and, and who makes it. I think it's important for us as consumers to think about the hands that made our products and make sure that when we're buying things in our lives, we, we think about the people all the way across the world on the other end of that supply chain who made them uh, and think about the incredible opportunity we have in front of us to buy wisely, to buy well, to support companies that help their welfare. Um, and this truly, through our consumption, um, make a choice that can uh, have a profound impact on people's lives. And for all of you out there working in a company, you're working in an organization and you're passionate about an issue or you want to create change and you're trying to figure out how to do that, you know, one of the most important things that you can do is, is to share those passions, share those things that you care about with the people that you work with, the people that you're around and use that as an opportunity to ask other people what they care about. 
And through that dialogue, that we can begin to find our allies. But I think one of the most important things and one of the most important lessons, I think, from this interview with, with Wendy that hopefully you take away is the importance of having a community, of building collaboration, of sharing what you're learning, learning from other people, and recognizing that none of the problems that we want to solve can be solved by us and us alone. I agree. And, you know, I'm so grateful that one of the best alliances that I've ever made is with you, Bobby, you know, and it's led to this entire journey that we've been on for the past 10 years. Yeah, man, it's been a hell of a ride. And to all the allies that we've made, uh, thank you. And to the ones that we haven't yet, Mm -hmm. uh, we look forward to it. Future allies. Our future allies. Love it. This episode of Good Is The New Cool, The Field Recordings, was hosted by myself, After Laziz, and Bobby Jones. It featured Wendy Savage, Director of Social Responsibility at Patagonia, and was produced by Natalia Rodriguez. Go to goodisanewcool.com to find out more about what we do, and also where you can pick up your copy of The Principles of Purpose. You can also keep in touch with us on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Good Is The New Cool. Thank you for listening, and if you enjoyed the podcast, please share and join us next week for another episode of The Field Recordings. Until then, be good, be kind, and don't forget to look after each other.